All right. Um, well, it's great to be together with the fellas. And uh, again, this is, this is not a normal marriage retreat, probably, but that's not really a normal marriage book, You and Me Forever, is it? It's really all about God and his mission for us. And then it's like asterisk, asterisk, and then, you know, God will provide. You know what I mean? And that's really where we're all living in that, uh, that fine print of what God will do with us if we get sort of the big picture of God and his vision. And so I want to talk just a little bit more in detail uh, about my life. And uh, I think hopefully the things I share will, will help you. Um, you know, Haggai 1 really spoke to me, I think, uh, as I've kind of put all this in perspective of the last, you know, 24 years of uh, being a Christian, the ups and the downs. And uh, it says, this is what the Lord Almighty says in Haggai 1 verse 2. These people say, the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. The word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai and said, is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while... This house, my house, God's house, remains a ruin. And now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You, you've planted much, right? We're busy as all, right? Remember when technology was going to give us all a 25-hour work week and we were going to have to figure out what to do with all our free time? Remember the promise of the 80s? Now we're, we're on call 24-7, you know what I mean? We're all doctors. Give careful thought. You're, you planted much. You're busy, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You, you earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. <laughs> and so the key principle, this is sort of the one thing I want you to remember from Haggai, is that God loves you too much to bless a life that is not prioritized correctly. God loves us too much to bless our lives when it is not in priority. And you might think, well, that's not true. I, I've got, you know, my family and everybody, I see success and I see they, these guys aren't putting God first and they're doing just fine. Well, I'm not saying that you can't be successful, but I'm saying that living under God's blessing and being successful in the world's sense is maybe two different things. And so God loves you too much to bless your life when it's not prioritized correctly. And, and why won't he do this? <laughs> I mean, I've begged him to do that for many, many times uh, to no avail. Because I think this, for God's point of view, and we being his children, this would reinforce negative behavior. And we understand this with our kids, right? Uh, it's like, hey, you know, can we, can we go to uh, In-N-Out Burger tonight? And it's like, no, mom's making tacos. Yeah, but we didn't, you know, oh, okay, no, no, all right, well, now that you put it that way, now that you're whining and begging, you know what, honey, let's, let's do tacos tomorrow night. He really wants to go to In-N-Out Burger. Let's go. Let's change our whole family's plans because he's whining. Is that, we wouldn't raise our kids that way, right? <laughs> uh, because it would reinforce that if you whine, you beg, you, you get what you want, uh, and, and, and so in the same way, I think God will withhold, and he even says to his people here, I'm, the, the heavens are withholding, you know, until you prioritize things correctly. And so, you know, when we moved to Orange County, uh, we bought our house uh, in uh, fall of 2004, um, and uh, sort of as the market was going up, and then as the market sort of reached its peak, we felt like, all right, we've got some equity here, and... Uh, I'm an engineer, and I want to go on an adventure, so, you know, I shared a little bit that uh, we added a second story, and uh, I would go there in the morning and, and kind of just get the contractors ready for what they were doing. I did the own, my plans, the architecture, the electrical, all the stuff I did the design myself, so it was kind of neat, fun. The one thing about it, though, my wife didn't feel good about it when we started the project. So... A lot of this can be avoided. Sometimes, you know how the Holy Spirit just puts a check in somebody's spirit and, and you as the husband, the reassurer, the provider, the, 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 the sage of wisdom, the foreseer of the future, <laughs> is able to trump all that, you know? Man, could we learn some things if we would listen to those little hunches that our wives are 
these little spiritual beings that God put in our life. So she followed the wise one, uh, the sage, and uh, literally as we finished putting the, the finishing touches on the house together, we began to start refinancing. Uh, the appraisals started coming in, and then everything was going, you know, kaput. <laughs> And uh, the desktop appraisals, companies would start, lenders would do their own appraisals. So every time they would go to our house, they would look it up on the assessors, you know, and it would show, you know, way less square footage. So the appraisals we were getting and the appraisals the lenders were coming up with, because it had not yet been updated, but we had the permits, we had all, nevertheless, we had three loans fall out during that time. And so now my wife and I were looking at $160,000 Here's our mortgage. Now that's in addition to that. And that's on like, hey, 0% interest for the first six months. We thought, well, yeah, well, let's just max. Let's just do 20000 on that one, 20000 here, 15000 here, and we'll get that done. Then we'll pay it all off. And, you know, I mean, I have a great credit score, believe it or not, because they love me. We borrow money like insane people. <laughs> <laughs> which is a plug for FPU, for those of you who have gone through financial peace. Uh, yeah, after three times, it's helped. <laughs> so, um, What happened then also with the engineering market then is, uh, you know, there was a certain portion of my income that was profit sharing on jobs that we were doing. Well, now there was no residential and commercial construction going on. So our, basically our payments went up about 2000 a month on this debt, and my income went down about 1000 a month. So we were now 3000 in the month, wow. negative. And, uh, you know, it's amazing how even in the height of, of, of our sin, I'll call it in my case, I'm not saying it, it is for everybody, but in this case, for me, it was just not righteous and wise decisions. Uh, I, I used a relationship that I had with a, with a general engineering contractor and was able to get a job and, and change firms and uh, get a, during the kind of catastrophic economic times, I got a $35,000 a year race during that time. And God provided for us, and yet uh, it was in Pomona, and I was in Orange County. So then it was sort of the, the 6.30, so, you know, 5, get up early, fly, you know, go to 57 North, uh, work all day. And then, uh, you know, like many of us, we're wearing several hats, not just an engineer, uh, but husband, father, family group leader, friend, worship leader, disciple of Jesus. And, and it was during this time that I, I had to make decisions that I just didn't have enough time for all this. And there's two trends that I, I think I, I recognize that are true. I think with men uh, in general, uh, when, when we're busy and when our priorities are not straight, you can never enjoy the moment. When you're at home, you're thinking about work. When you're at work, you're thinking about what you're missing out on in home. I mean, I would talk to my family and kids, and they'd go, you know, they'd be going on little adventures and stuff, and, and it just, I felt good at least just talking to them, you know what I mean, from Legoland. How, how are you guys having fun? You know, but I was never a part of it. And, uh, you know, when you're at church, you feel like there's more productive projects that you could be doing, you know, and it's easy to get critical of the time demands of the kingdom, uh, and then when you're at your kids' sports games, you're like, you know, go, Kyle. Yeah, I'm just, you know, I've got a work email that I, gotta, I just got to get out really quick. You know, it's like, oh, Kyle got a hit. You know, it's like, oh, good. You know, did you take a picture of it? And you're just not in the moment, right? You're at work. You're at this. You're being pulled from every direction. And the second trend, I think, as men that's challenging for us is we tend to prioritize the areas in life where we see a more immediate return on our investment. And, you know, where we feel respected, where we feel a reward in the moment. And work can be that area for many of us, right? We don't get a bonus at the end of the year for more time spent at home. (laughs) Just typically, we're not rewarded for that financially. Um, And, you know, prayer, I think. You know, sometimes I I, I don't see an immediate return on my investment in prayer. Uh, Because it isn't a return. I mean... It's, a, it's interesting God's view of time. You know, God's into sowing and reaping and the, you know, the, the agricultural cycle. We're like, if I can't get it at Albertson's, you know, produce, what's the use, you know? Uh, so that, we're not used to that cycle. We're not used to God's timing. So in many ways, 
prayer began to be an area where I began to cheat. So time with God was very minimal and scattered for about a, you know, a 10-year period. A little time in the car here and there, maybe a little audio Bible during my commute. And what could I say to God? I, you know, I got us into all this debt. I got us into this mess. I felt like, what, what am I going to do? Have, tell God to bail me out? I, I've got to bail us out. That was just more my mentality. And then what's interesting, you know, when you're not sowing spiritual seed, you can't really reap the fruits of the Spirit. You ever go to draw from the well of patience, and there's just nothing there? <laughs> you haven't been sowing in time with God and in prayer and in Scripture, so you go to reap patience, and it's just not there. So things start getting a little... Kyle, you know, at home, things start getting to be a little bit... And we just... And I'm like, wow, my anger, right? Because I'm, I'm trying to reap self-control, but I'd rather just yell, and in five seconds, there's peace in the house, rather than a 15-minute discussion of get to the heart of my child, right? I'd rather do it in five seconds, plus the game's coming on, you know? And then, you know, when you, when you go to draw from self-control, that's not there either because you're not sowing the spirit. So, you know, when you're talking about your purity and when you're talking about now pornography, it was about, you know something that was very much a part of my life before I became a Christian and then mysteriously vanished in the waters of baptism. But then when you're not sowing any spiritual seed, it's amazing how that sin starts to creep right back into your life. And so I began to do what I called manage my sin, right? You've talked about managing. And my, you know, somebody asks you about your purity. It's always, it's doing better. Yeah, this doing better this week. And, and there's these vague answers, Right? It's like, yeah, I spent only, you know, 10 minutes viewing pornography versus an hour. I mean, that's really what begins to be this weird, vague story of our life. We stop really getting close to one another in discipling relationships because of that time crunch. So really what starts to happen is we cheat on the very things that sustain us spiritually, and we go to the things that provide a more immediate return on our investment, so to speak, and now we're slowly slipping away, right? It's that fade. It's that drift. It doesn't happen overnight. And, you know, again, to, you know, families and vacations, they were short. They would be, you know, go to Colorado to visit my family. I could only stay for a few days because I needed to get back to work. And so my family would stay an extra week. And then when you're home for a week without your family and you're already struggling with your purity, that's also a recipe for disaster, isn't it? And so this is kind of all going on, and uh, in the midst of this, um, I lost my dad uh, to prostate cancer, and then uh, two years later lost my mom to a blood clot after uh, she had a surgery. And uh, so about a month after losing my mom, uh, we had a men's retreat in Orange County in 2011. And of course, you know, not like I'm excited to go, um, because... Again, I just think when you're not sowing spiritually, the thought of spiritual adventure is just gone. And, uh, but, I, but I went there, and, and it was called This One Thing. And you were supposed to pick, instead of like it was a new year, so you're supposed to pick one thing you want to work on this year. And for me, I chose intimacy because I knew that my struggle with purity had something to do with a lack of intimacy. I knew my relationships with men were very shallow at best. Very few people knew me and knew what I was doing. I was still member in good standing in most people's eyes. But inside, I knew I just was not where I needed to be spiritually. And so we did this exercise about what is important to you. And there was all these words on a piece of paper, and Bob Harple and Dave Eskew were sort of leading us through this exercise. And I am a really cynical person, you know, and so even when you start like, all right, we're going to do an exercise, your, your cynical antennas go up. Do any of you have the curse or the gift? Cynicism is the gift that keeps on giving, right? It's just like, okay, spiritual journey, let's go, you know what I mean? So it's just, I'm sort of half-heartedly going into this little exercise that the men are doing. And so they're like, circle all the things that are important to you. And I'm circling them, you know. And then they said, now group them into categories of commonality. And so there was certainly, I'll tell you in order of things I chose, uh, the groups that were the most populated. Number one, career and profession. 
at achievement, career, competence, money, success, wealth. I mean, I just, it was more like, I just want to get out of debt. You know, I've got, that's, this is the season of my life where I guess I'm going to have to work and get out of debt. Secondly, it was music and creativity. And again, I, you know, I love to do worship and wrote plays for the church, humor, laughter, worship. That, that was number two. The third category uh, of things I chose was my family. Relationships, romance. Uh, and then the last was God. Uh, it was leadership and purity and, and intimacy. I just chose those things more just because I knew I was struggling in my sin, and I knew God was the answer. So it wasn't really like God was the last thing. It was just like my sin, and I know God, I need to get God involved here. And so the next thing uh, they said was, okay, now cross out the thing that you could do without first. And I'm looking at a list, and I'm thinking, you know, I can't cross out God and my family, even though I've been cheating on them in my time. So I crossed off career. And this was a thing that was consuming me because of our debt. Uh, this was a thing that I was spending all day, every day to please a, you know, a boss that was basically Tony Soprano, you know what I mean? <laughs> Just a rageaholic, builder kind of guy, you know? And when times are good, it's like, woo, $100 sushi lunch. When times are bad, it's, where are you? Get the bleep here, and we got to bleep and get the client to the bleep and the bleep, and I've built this company out of bleep and bleep. It's like, that was daily. For three years, it fosters a good you know what I mean? Really motivates you to have a great quiet time and then just go get cussed at. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> living out my mission, you know. Uh, and so, you know, those of you in the construction world know what are, where I'm coming from. And then they said, cross out another. And I crossed out worship. And yet that's really in the church what I had spent a lot of time doing. And so I eliminated the first two things that were taking up all my time. And, and it's funny how the room sort of changed. This went from being this, you know, roll your eyes exercise to then I started feeling like everybody's in on this. Like, this is for me. And they're all sort of just pretending because they're all, this is like God getting me. I honestly felt like the room just sort of, I tuned it totally out and I don't know if you've had these times, you know, I look at Abraham and I don't think God and Abraham hung out every day and just, I think every 10, 15 years, God said, Abraham, boom, you know? And so this was one of those once every 10 years kind of moments where the room just sort of started spinning and God was just convicting me for my sin and the way I had really let uh, my standard and my guard down and my time with him down and and I remember pulling Kevin Maines aside and, and telling him at that time that I, I just, I don't know what God is telling me. The only thing left here is the ministry and my family, the things that get no, nothing from me right now. I said, I'm, I think that's what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. And now Kevin had been, you know, the recipient of 10 years of my bad attitude. So it's not like he was saying, you're hired, you know what I mean? He's more like, you, you know, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, man, leaders meetings, if you called a leaders meeting, you were going to hear from me, man. I was going to let you have it, especially at the same time as a Broncos game. It's like, I felt like, do the ministers know the NFL schedule? <laughs> yeah. That's the benefit of being a Raiders fan. They can't sell out, so they black it out. You can't see the game anyway, you know? Where's Jason? There he is back there. Let's keep going. It says, uh, you know, Haggai, Haggai he talks, God talks to his people through Haggai again. He says, give careful thought to your ways. He's talking to the Israelites. He says, go up into the mountain, bring down timber to build this house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with his own house. 
Therefore, because of you, the heavens withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, the grains, the new wine, the oil, whatever the ground produced on the men and cattle, the labor of your hands. Remember, God loves us too much to bless a life that's not prioritized correctly. And I think, you know, the consequences of my sin, I think God has been so merciful to me, but I just think of my wife and kind of that journey, you know, that, that we were on for 10 years. She was just kind of on her own in this journey in a spiritual place of, of fear, a spiritual place of not knowing where her husband really was spiritually, a spiritual place where I would vent all my attitudes and commit sins that she didn't know anything about and use her in a sense to fulfill my lustful fantasies in our relationship, right? And just the, the impurity that was going on in my life and it's just, that's not the journey that we were supposed to go on. Wow, now we're really like Mordor. <laughs> I was in Mordor, <laughs> but not doing any good. I joined the orcs. Uh, you know, but it says the whole people ob obeyed the voice of the Lord when they heard that call. And he says, I, I am with you, says the Lord. And, and actually, it says from the minute they began to establish the temple, from the time they built the foundation, God says, from this day on, I will bless you. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing. God doesn't allow us, you know, he doesn't say, hey, finish it up, get cleaned up, and I will bless you. He says, the, the minute you set forth to return to his house, the minute you really reprioritize things and put God's house first, that from that moment on, it just seems like God blesses you. And I really appreciate Brian. You know, Brian reached out at that time and, and, and made a few calls of, of just possible places for us to go back into the ministry. And again, you know, people in their mid-40s with three kids and, and one with a bad attitude for 10 years, there's not a lot of people looking to hire that kind of a person, right? So it was a difficult place, you know, to, to, to feel like God was calling us back and yet not really finding a place. It was another two years of before we were able to go back into the ministry in, in, uh, in Orange County. And again, I'm not making this about being in the ministry. Don't say it. For me, that's the decision I had to make. That's like me going to heaven issue, you know what I mean? I, I tell people, I am not strong enough to be a Christian and, and not be in the ministry. I have to have a little bit of that ministry padding around me, or I don't think I'll make it. I'm not a guy that can be in the world 40 hours, well, 60 hours a week and make it spiritually. I just am too weak. And so I need this. I need this calling for me uh, to, to, I think, make it to heaven. And, and you know, I really am grateful for uh, those that believed in us. And so, you know, Sean and I, it's, it's amazing how God has, uh, you know, begun to, to really, I think, re-energize and bless our life. Seeing our daughter become a disciple was certainly a part of that. Seeing our family sort of on this kingdom adventure now together, and we sort of cart them along with us to lead the singles. It's, you know, they don't go to all the normal midweeks. They're sacrificing along with us. Uh, you know, financially, we took, uh, obviously, uh, for me, a pay cut, a tremendous pay cut to go back into the ministry, but I still get to do some consulting on the side uh, and the cool thing is, is the less I want to do engineering, the more companies that like need my engineering services. And so I'll do like jobs that take me like five, six hours and bill them thousands of dollars. And because of that, we've been able to literally since getting back into the ministry with a reduced pay, we've been able to attack and pay off so much of our debt in the last couple of years. I mean, God has really blessed it. We are really actually done. Um, the only debt is really to our brother who, uh, you know, actually helped us during that time financially. That's the, that's the person we owe, and uh, because of the farm that our family is going to sell, that debt will be forgiven, and we'll even just be able to, to have some money on the other side of that. So to see God do that and to see that, uh, you know, I've put him as that priority again, and then the blessings have fallen in line with that when for 10 years I put this, and, and God just blew it away. It's like, I feel like I'm a test case for how to do everything wrong, <laughs> just for sermon material, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, it's not that I really wanted that, it's just God said, well, all right, you've run out of stuff to preach about, go for 10 years, pack up a few more sermon materials, 
So I, I, I'm hoping that I'm here to stay now. This is sort of the third go around, and I just hope I can go to enough new groups to where I don't need to go get more sermon material, you know? Uh, but, but I hope that helps. And again, I know this is not the normal marriage retreat, but I, I think you can extrapolate the repercussions that this has had in our marriage and family uh, and, and maybe identify with some of those things. And, and really, the, the wife that God has given me is, is such a blessing. Uh, I mean, tonight, she's like, let's go somewhere where we can watch Game 7 of the Ducks and Blackhawks. I mean, I, I don't say that to make you struggle or bitter about your own wife, but is this an awesome woman or what, you know? So, amen, guys. <laughs> So what we're going to do right now is uh, take the opportunity. We uh, collected the index cards that you guys filled out and wanted to kind of put these on out there, uh, take the opportunity to respond to them, and prayerfully um, all, help all of us take things to the next level when it comes to really glorifying God in every aspect of our lives. Amen? So uh, we'll just kind of rotate through here. Uh, Mark, either, either you or Andy, you've got one you want to start out with? Go for it. You got the mic. Okay. Well, I'm going to go ahead and start out. First one I've got here says, uh, how can I learn the different needs in the church? For instance, learning of small churches that need help. You guys want to take a stab at that, or you want me to go ahead and start out too? Okay. <laughs> easy yeah, so elders got to love it, right? No. Um, for me, there's, there's a number of things uh, I think that, that would be wise to assess. Um, you know, not ob obviously being able to interact with the individual involved when it comes to the different needs in the church and then what is meant by a small church. I think the thing that comes to mind for me is Romans 16, you know, where uh, Paul is grateful and uh, talking about Priscilla and Aquila and, you know, kind of greeting, working through this roll call of all these people that are faithful. But it starts out and he says, welcome the church that meets in their house. And I think ultimately that's where it starts for all of us. Um, when it comes to figuring out what those needs are, one of the best ways to do that is wherever you're engaged, asking, you know, if there's uh, needs that aren't being met. Uh, and that can, that can go either way from the standpoint of the individual that actually leads the, ch the small group, community group, house church, whatever the vernacular is that you use. Um, or as, so as a leader, you know, asking for input as to maybe some areas that the group would like to get behind and go after. To, you know, if you're an individual in the group that maybe doesn't have a role, finding out what you can do or what the specific need is that there, there may need to be net, met. And, you know, we've got a lot of stuff going on. It can be exciting. Uh, I know Ken would probably agree with this. Uh, we've got a number of you, Marshall included, that have been out in the mission field. And there, there's a degree of excitement with something unknown going into a, a, a situation like that. But how much more so within our local communities? And I think if we're, we're meeting those needs locally in whatever we're currently involved in, rather than waiting for someone to tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, here's where we need to send you or here's what we need you to do, just engaging on that level personally. And God will use it. It'll, it'll grow. It's, it's kind of what Marshall was talking about as far as the whole sowing and reaping. There's time involved. There's growth that comes with time. And, you know, if there's something that you might construe as being more exciting, when you're ready, God will make that clear too. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Uh, yeah, I think it's always exciting when you um, are able to do something, to meet a need that you see yourself. Um, I didn't quite hear all the question, but I know there's a lot of times where people will say, you know, what can I do to get involved? And my answer is usually look around. <laughs> there's probably a need somewhere. And, you know, it's encouraging because we have a lot of great disciples who uh, just last night a, a couple called me and said, uh, you know, we've got this great idea we're cooking up that we see a need in the church and we want to meet it and we're going to try and get you involved. We're just warning you, but there's some other people who want to do it. And I'm like, amen, that's awesome. That's exactly what we need to do. Not, I appreciate that they're not sitting around waiting for somebody to hand them, you know, a, a project list, but they're looking for needs to meet and they're figuring out a way to do it. And I don't know if it's going to be a good idea or a bad idea, um, but I'm going to let them try, right? Unless it's just a really bad idea. But, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, that's awesome. That's how we all engage. As, as leaders, that's what we want to, to, how we want to empower the membership to, to contribute to the kingdom in the ways that they feel like God is really calling them. So um, I, I'd say, you know, look around. You, you don't have to go to Timbuktu to meet a need. You don't have to have a title to meet a need. Um, there's, there's things going on all around you. If you look hard, uh, you'll be able to do it. Awesome. Thanks, Eddie. 
Mark? No, it's good. Yeah, have a card there that you'd like to? Uh... <clears throat> yeah, uh, there, there was about 10, 10 to 12 um, questions that had to do with or statements about your marriage in regards to your wife's needs. Um, and, you know, I know this is reoccurring. This is probably all of us probably could have written down something about being able to meet our wife's needs. Uh, a couple of them had to do about how can I be more supportive? How can I be more sensitive? Uh, how can I be more compassionate? Um, you know, I, we struggle with this because uh, we live in a society where we're taught not to do that. I mean, I, you know, I kind of grew up in the Clint Eastwood generation. A lot of you guys are sort of the Clint Eastwood guys, John Wayne. And we're like, hey, you know, we're, we're going to be the dudes, the man, you know, and you're just, I'm the man. And you got to, and a lot of us were raised in families like that where we had a dad who didn't really uh, take into consideration the, the needs of, of your mom. And, and you resent that and you didn't like that. Um, and then we end up becoming like our dads. Isn't that kind of crazy how that happens? We started imitating them, and then we're like, what's going on here? Because this is not the way that it should be. Um, you know, the Bible is really clear that uh, our wives are weak. And I, that's not a knock on them. It's just, that's just what it says. And we, we know that. They're, a lot of our wives are more emotion-based than we are. Uh, a lot of our wives, they just struggle with things that we just go... Golly, you know, you just got to man up. And then you go, man, that's not, yeah. You know, so it's just, there's a mindset. And so that's what we've got to like, wait a minute, what's going on here? And, you know, I married a woman who was very talented. She's very smart, very intelligent. Um, she's probably a lot smarter than I am. Uh, she went to Harvard. Uh, I didn't. Uh, and she can just, there's just, the way that she thinks is like, wow, I, I did a really good job marrying above my, my grade pay here. This is awesome. But she has her weaknesses, and they're very clear. And uh, that's where, you know, that's why we're together. That's why, you know, when I made that choice to, to pursue her and to marry her, I, I knew what I was getting into. And uh, you just make decisions. You say, you know what? And it's not that I haven't struggled with these things, because I've, I've had to get a lot of great discipling. You know, I wish Henry was in the room so I could thank him. But, you know, Henry Kramer has helped us tremendously the past couple of years. And I would say that, you know, some of you say, well, what can I do? What can I do to do better? Get into an active discipling relationship. How many of you guys feel like, honestly, just bare honestly, you're in a great discipling relationship right now? Raise your hand. So that's about less than half, a third, maybe 40% of you feel like I'm in a really great discipling relationship. Okay, I'm scared for the 60% of you. Okay, you need to be in a relationship where you meet once or twice, I mean, at least two times a month, every other week, with the, the wife and the husband that you're going to disciple by. I know we need bro time, and you can get that. I can get that offline. I can get that. But you need couple time where... You know, your wife has a chance to just share what's on her heart, and then you look bad, and that's okay, because then you just go, hey, you know what? Yeah, I, I need some help here, and just let your wife just like, you know what? This is where I feel like we need some help. I mean, if you're not in that, you're not really in a position to grow, and, and to have another man and a woman, and listen to that sister, come on. I mean, when that sister starts to share things, you need to be all ears. And just like, uh-huh, yeah, you're right. And just be humble and share. I mean, we've had times where I've just been like, I've just been stuck with Catherine. And I'm just like, I don't know. She's just, I think she's just asking too much here. or It's just unreasonable. And man, I'm just, I'm like ramped up. And I'm playing the, you know, I'm the man card. And I just got to get dressed down here because it's just not where I need to be. You know, and Henry and Lana have called me back to like, hey, you know what? You need to be like Christ in this relationship. And it's just like, yeah, you're right. And just to work through it. And then I just, because we go through this process and we just, we get beat up during the day. And then we, we can take it out on our wives. And it's just, even as we think we're really spiritual men, we can come home and we can kick the cat. And that's what you used to call it. You, you find somebody to blame for what's happened to you during the day. And our wives become the targets of that. And you know, there's a passage in Colossians 3 I want to read. And this is the mindset that we need to have. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated 
at the right hand of God. Set your minds, that's where the battle is a lot of the times, on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And then he goes on, and you've read this passage over and over again. It talks about things we need to get rid of and put off, and then he talks about things we need to put on. And this needs to be an active thing in our life. You know, you can go, oh yeah, I read this when I first became a Christian and got baptized. And I know I'm preaching here, but that's all right, give me a minute. But, you know, you go, oh, I've done that, I do that. Man, this has got to be active. You've got to be constantly be doing this. Just like you put on new clothes every day, you've got to be putting these things on every day because this, ha- this addresses our, our weaknesses and addresses our, 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 our sinful characteristics that we carry with us. That we've got to, you know, I think the Bible says we've got to crucify ourselves every day. Yeah. You know, if that we're going to be really true disciples, that we're going to be actively in dealing with our character. And that I think that's what happens when we start to lose sensitivity with our wives and their needs because it becomes, well, what's, um, what's my need right now? What's my need right now? You know, there's many times you go to bed at night, you're like, hey, baby, I need a little time here. And it's like, she's sick, she's not feeling well, she's having her time of the month. The kids are calling for your attention, whatever. And it's just like, wow, this is not happening tonight, huh? Yep. I mean, you've been there, right, guys? You've been there. What are you going to do? Are you going to be a spiritual man or are you going to be an unspiritual man? And then what are you going to do with that? I think there's times we've got to be open because sometimes we just get really sexually frustrated, right? If we're just really open and honest, that's where a lot of our stuff, and that's where we start to go other places, looking to meet our needs. We need to be open with our wives, Okay, we need to be open. There was an epic time where I just talked to Catherine about, you know what, this is what I need. And, you know, there's times I need post-hangout time. You know, when you have your little five-minute time there, and it's all great and fireworks, but I need some post-firework time. You know, I just don't need you to get up and start doing chores around the house. I need some hang time here, you know. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to keep it real. So we've got to address this and talk about it. Otherwise, we're going to get weird. And weird means we become Pharisees. We get really weird. So we need to set our minds on things above. And I think you got to have some great time talking with your, your wife about what her needs are. Hey, am I, am I, am I listening to you? you got to get weekly time with your wife to set the schedule and to talk about what's going on because sometimes we're insensitive to what her needs are schedule-wise. you got to get that time. Our time is Sunday night. There's couples that say, hey, let's hang and let's get some time Sunday night. It's like, you know, mm, I'd love to, but I need family time. I need time with my wife to set the week up. Because that's the way she runs in her mind. And I've got to help her. So once that gets set, the week goes really well. So I think we've got to really take a step back about what our needs are and really focus. Because you know what? Then it'll stand out. The world will take note, right, how we love one another. And they'll look at you and go, golly, you guys are like a phenomenal married couple. And people will know. They'll know we are Christians by the love we have for our wives. Amen? Amen. Thanks, Mark. All right. This says, uh, and this is a great question. Probably a lot of us relate to this. Uh, How can I lead my wife when I myself feel distant from God? And kind of the knee-jerk, smirky response is, well, you can't. But the truth is you can't. Uh, you can't lead her spiritually <laughs> um, unless you're leading in repentance. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of us just have to just turn ourselves in. Um, so often we feel, I think Mark talked about Clint Eastwood over there, we feel like we're supposed to have it all together. We're supposed to be this shining example of spirituality that we don't ever get to make a mistake, or if we do, you know, we got to you know, paper over it real fast so nobody sees it. But, I mean, what a great way to lead in, in repentance and humility, yeah. right? I mean, this is the kind of thing that God calls all these great leaders to that, that Marshall talked about who were called. Uh, every single one of them, you know, had to stop what they were doing, consider what God was telling them, and change course. Whether that meant doing something different physically, getting up and going to a new place, or just changing the way they felt about themselves and what God had actually put in their lives to do. This is where we wrestle, I think, a lot, guys. We, we let the world beat us down. We let the commercials tell us what we don't have, what we should want, 
all that kind of stuff. And, and, and we, we let the world beat us down like that. And if you're not close to God, you're not hearing the other side of the story. You're not hearing that God has you where he wants you for a reason. You're not hearing that God's put these, this wife and these kids in your family to be your first and primary mission, to help them get to heaven. I mean, he's not, he, you're in a great church, not because we've got everybody in L.A. covered. We've got a lot of people to share our faith with and to, to grow the church around. Um, we've got so much to do, uh, but we've got to lead in humility and repentance if you're not feeling close to God. I appreciate the question because, um, you know, he's at least feeling distant from God. A lot of us don't even realize how far we are from God. Uh, we, we've kind of thrown feeling out the window, but... Um, you know, part of this weekend is really reflecting on where you're, where you're at in, in your relationship with God. When's the last time you really felt you knew where God thought you were at in, in your relationship with him? Uh, so great question, um, and, and there's always a way to lead in humility and repentance uh, if, you're, if, if that's where you've got to start. Uh, next question that uh, I got and was uh, given probably because uh, this is a role that I'm in right now. Um, what are some suggestions to transition or for transition to being an empty nester? Um, I think, you know, for those in particular of you that are going through uh, You and Me Forever, uh, the uh, Francis Chan uh, book, you know, we kind of hit at this a little bit earlier from a standpoint of just kind of being aware of what's going on around you. I think there's, uh, we've got uh, brothers and sisters in our fellowship right now in this room that are doing a phenomenal job with this in that uh, they see the needs. You know, we, as we mature as a church, we get older. Uh, where a church has got a lot more health issues. We have family members that are dying. Uh, family members or friends are in the hospital dealing with different diseases and situations and uh, being a comfort to those people in particular when it comes to meals and being a support. And I mean, I, I've really been super, super proud of the church locally in that uh, with Scott Hachia, you know, most of you are familiar with the health challenges he has. And going to visit him in, a, in the hospital and just this unending stream of people. Uh, not, not all were empty nesters, uh, just, you know, people on the way to work and the way home from work, taking a break, but uh, just being aware of what's going on around you. Um, you know, I think it, it ties into just a lot of the uh, very basic principles that we, we, we saw as we studied the Bible um, and figuring out ways that, you know, you can use that time. I think for Jackie and I, one of the things on the front side, I mean, we're, we're, we're always dealing with full schedules, but when, it's interesting when the kids are no longer in the house, how we can become, more, speaking of ourselves, much more focused on each other, uh, and with that, much more focused on each other's shortcomings. Uh, it, it was interesting. You'd think things on the home front would have been a lot easier without the and it, 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 it's easier in a different way. You don't have the challenge of running the kids all over the place and the drama that they had. If you've got multiples that they can have with each other and getting sucked into all that. But it's amazing when that's not there anymore, all you have is your spouse. And, you know, this is what I love about the book that we're going through and that if the focus is on God for me, if the focus is on Christ for me, um, it gives me the ability to engage on a much better level with everything, but including the situation with what goes on in the home front with my wife, in that, you know, the things that, that Mark talked about in Colossians 3, it continues. He talked about the things we need to get rid of and the things we need to put on. You know, it talks about clothing yourself with humility, patience, kindness, goodness, and these different things. And uh, if I'm looking to Christ, it's a lot easier for me to put those clothes on. If I'm not looking to Christ, it's a lot easier for me to undress her from a standpoint of these are all the areas that she's lacking in. This is how she's not living as a disciple. This is how she's not being a respectful wife. And Satan wants that because he thrives in disunity. If we're not unified, we're no good to anybody. And that, that's something that applies to all of us. If we're not unified with God, we're not going to be unified with our wives. And really, in a lot of ways, our lives are, are, are worthless when it comes to the purpose we've been called to. So, um, you know, check around, look around and see how you're doing with your own personal walk with God. And I think the, the rest of that will fall into place again. You know, you'll be a, an incredible asset uh, as empty nesters. You know, raising up the younger women, raising up the younger men. There's so many other areas that you'll be able to engage in. There was a question here about kids. And um, <clears throat> it says, with having three young kids, how do you not have a kid-centered adventure? First off, bro. Man, hang in there. <laughs> 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 three young kids. Space them out a little. Um, that's all right. Um, it happens. Uh, 
I had two young kids, so I mean, I had two. It's, you know, if you and your wife are both unified in that you guys are disciples of Jesus and you're about the mission and purpose of helping to seek and save the lost, then if you're in that little jumpy jump room at McDonald's and your kids are there, you're, that's, that's where it's at, and you're going to look for somebody to share your faith with. And if you're at a baseball game and your son's there and you're, you've got to watch your little one, he's running around, then you're looking to sit down with other parents and, you know, like find somebody in your same situation and say, man, I'm going to share with them and, and, and have people over to your house. I mean, I loved, as a single guy, I loved going over to where families had kids because that gave me a chance to see what a Christian family's like and how a, how a young father deals with his young kids. And so get single guys into your home. Uh, that, 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 that's a ministry right there. You're, doing, you're edifying, you're building up the, the kingdom of God there. When you get singles into your house, I think that's maybe one of the missing components that we've, you know, there's been this big need about having the singles and marrieds integrate more. Get them over for dinner and, and hang out. Don't just have them babysit your kids, but be there when you're with your kids. They need to see that. Um, and take them along. And the mission's the same. The, the adventure's the same. We're, we're, we're out to help people become Christians. But I, I, can, hear, I, can, I can feel for you because that's, that's got to be tough with three young ones. And, and you can feel like it's all about them. But in some ways, you've got to get, get out of the house or get people in your house and, and keep it about other people. Okay, we got uh, time for one more here. I'm going to turn it over to Andy. Guys, I wanted to thank you for taking the time to do this. Some great questions here. Thank you. All right. Um, these, these last four are all kind of all about mission. Uh, what, if you're do, what do you do if you're on a, a shadow mission or if your spouse is on a shadow mission? Uh, how do I determine God's mission for me instead of my mission? Uh, if I have a vision, how can I make sure that it's, uh, it's, it's God's adventure for me or, and not just, not just me but for both of us? Uh, and how do I know what God's calling to? And I love this part. And once you know, how do you get excited about it? So... Uh, <laughs> uh, frankly, if you're like me, once you know God's mission, it's pretty easy to get excited because you've been looking your whole life for what in the world am I supposed to be doing with myself? Um, you know, I share a lot of what Marshall uh, shared about. I, in my own experience, I've been in and out of the ministry a couple times uh, for, for different reasons. Um, I still, you know, wrestle at times, is that my future? Am I supposed to be an engineer? Because it's it pays the bills, but it's not fun. You know, it's a job, right? It's not, it's not my passion. Um, so it's a great question, and I wonder about this all the time. Uh, I, I have a couple of answers. One is I think you need some really good friends in your life to help you have perspective. Uh, Karina is great. She has a lot of perspective. Uh, when our kids were younger, and we, when, I was, when we were young, we moved, I think we had 27 addresses by the time our, our first daughter was in kindergarten. So we moved all the time for the kingdom, and it was a, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, but it was also hard and it was pretty tough on the finances and a lot harder on my wife who had to set up her house at 27 different places uh, than it was for me. Um, but uh, I forgot where I was going with that. I, I think, oh, she gives me great perspective because she said, you know, our kids got in school. She said, you know what, this is the time in our life where we're raising our family. Amen. We can't keep doing that. And it's like, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, so you need people in your life to give you perspective. I think there are seasons of God's mission and plan in our life, right? So we go through stuff. Um, you know, time out of the ministry for me has been very good time for me to develop my own personal conviction about why I do what I do. Uh, when you're in the ministry, it's easy to be tricked into thinking that, you know, your whole spiritual life is good because you're, doing this every day for your job, and, and that's not, not the case. Well, <laughs> we talked Steve back into the ministry. Uh, we were desperate, and we needed him. We're still desperate. <laughs> we still need him. Uh, I'm not quite sure how to read that. But anyway. <laughs> no, we're still desperate. You're doing fine. You're doing fine. So, you know, I rem remember a conversation Henry had with me before uh, I was appointed an elder, and I was just, you know, he said, well, tell me about your story. And I was like, oh, well, I kind of grew up in, you know, average house and went to average college and became a Christian and have a... And he's like, okay, let me tell you, or Calvin, I think you were there with us at this, this dinner at that restaurant. I think Henry retold my story, and it was, like, pretty compelling. It's a pretty cool story. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it just, for me, it took that. It, take, it took somebody going... 
why do you think you were converted as a college student and not when you're, you know, 28 and train wrecked your marriage already? Why do you think you had three kids and, and adopted one and have that story to tell? Why do you think your two older kids have become Christians uh, already? I mean, he just got me thinking about why God had put me through all the steps that I'd been through. And I think you need friends to give you that perspective to help you understand the context of your spiritual life. Uh, the last thing I want to say is one of my favorite passages about God's will is from 1 Thessalonians 4. Uh, most of us learn this when we're dating. You know, it's the passage about uh, be pure as you take a wife and don't do it like the pagans do and their lust and all that. But that, that whole passage there is really about living in order to please God. Yeah. And the next thing he says about getting your, your romantic and your wife and the, probably the relationship that will most help you or hinder you from getting to heaven straight, getting that one right, is he says, love each other. Amen. He says, I don't need to talk to you guys about this. You're doing good. But that's his point, is love each other, brotherly affection. And then the third thing he says, is he says, make it your ambition to live a quiet life, to work with your hands wide, so that your life will win the respect of outsiders. When it comes to your mission, ask yourself, does my mission, is it, am I winning the respect of outsiders with what I'm doing? Am I on some crazy, crazy dream that, that nobody can respect? Nobody can look at and go, That's, that, guy, that brother's being really spiritual. I'm, I, I've discipled a lot of guys who are like, I have this great dream. I'm going to make a billion dollars and give it to the church, and I just have to go to you know, Timbuktu for three years. And it's like, whoa, bro, wait a second. Uh, great dream. I love the passion, but is that really going to work? Is that going to win the respect of your wife? Is that going to win the respect of the people that you're around? Um, that's a great passage to really study out if you're thinking, what does God really want from me? How should I be living? Uh, how, does, how does living a quiet life meld with this whole idea of going on an adventure? I mean, the two have to fit together, right? They're both biblical thoughts. So how do we work that out? Um, and we've all got to wrestle with those questions. So I'd say get a lot of help, get some great input and some feedback so people help you have context and dig into those scriptures that talk about God's will and what that really means. So anyway, thanks for listening to us. Um, I'm not sure why they gave it to us. You guys have a lot of those good answers out there as well. But uh, thanks for being here. And uh, you're desperate. That's right. We said, yeah, it was either this or lip sync. So I did this, you know. <laughs> just, just playing to my strengths, really. Playing to my strengths. Let's uh, close out with a prayer, and then uh, we'll dismiss you for the evening. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you constantly uh, are dreaming and scheming and helping us, God, to find your will. Amen. Please help us to be close to you. Please help us to lay down our own dreams so that we can pick yours up. Amen. God, speak to us through your Holy Spirit. Speak to us through each other. Uh, speak to us through your word, God. Help us to really find you and help us, God, to find uh, the joy that comes from really living what we were created to, to mm. do. God, we love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.